Well, welcome to uh, another episode of the podcast, and I'm uh, going to be talking today to Zach Coffin, who for the last six years, he's been the director of Next Gen Ministries for the Wesleyan Church, and so he's situated out in, in Indiana right now. That's going to change very soon, and he'll tell us about that, but uh, Zach, why don't you uh, start off just maybe for anybody who might be listening and doesn't know you, just give us a little bit of your spiritual bio what your background is uh your 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 history with the lord and we'll go from yeah. there yeah man thanks for letting me hang out it's so good any any day getting to hang out with with mike is a good day so thanks for, thanks <laughs> for letting me hang too, out man you're too kind that's <laughs> <laughs> so good man yeah well um yeah i'm zach coffin and uh been following the lord for a really long time and have always had a real big heart for revival and seeing the lord's work of the Holy Spirit in the earth. And so um, I'm approaching 20 years of, of full-time ministry uh, here really, really soon here in about another year. It'll be 20, 20 years that I've been preaching and teaching, which is pretty awesome. Started um, when I was 19. And uh, really my kind of spiritual journey goes back to when I was five years old. I actually had a, a, a incurable kidney disease when I was five. And uh, should have been put on dialysis and kidney transplant and all that kind of stuff. But literally after having the disease for, for several, several months, just experienced a miraculous supernatural healing. And um, just vividly remember that when I was five and six years old and that, that, that experience really marked my journey with the Lord and just, un, and really desiring um, not, not just his, his nearness, but his power and seeing him move in the earth. And um that's that's my heart's hunger to to see God move in the earth. So I'm married, been married for 15 years, got two two kiddos, Annalie and Isla, who are Annalie just turned 10 and Isla will be six here really soon. And um our family just loves to be in places where where God's presence is moving. And we really um just trying to make time for what matters most, which is part of the reason we're making a transition. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to head out on kind of a little uh, adventure to see what the Lord has. So I don't um, I don't have a job lined up. Uh, I, we, we just really felt the Lord asking us to step away from my current role at Wesleyan headquarters and out of just straight obedience, just going, okay, Lord, like we're going to step out and take some time to pray and seek the Lord. And then he'll, he'll make it clear in his time. Yeah. So, uh, kind of leading up to, uh, leading up to this, like what, what were, where were some of the places that you did, uh, were you primarily involved in youth ministry that the for the 20 years or yeah so i mean my so i started started in uh ministry when i was in college and so when i was in college i was a kids pastor for a while at a pretty large church and then a youth pastor and so most of my time has all been in age level ministry either kids ministry like either as a kids pastor a youth pastor a next gen pastor leading a team multi site church that type of a deal um, or, you know, the last six years have been at Westland headquarters, which, um, anybody who knows me, um, and I don't mean there's any negative negativity. I just like headquarters was never a dream of mine. That was not like a, like, there's nothing wrong with headquarters. I was just trying to be obedient and go, okay, Lord, you're asking me to step into that. And we'll step into that. And, you know, serve yeah, the Lord so there, what, so. what, uh, like in your role at headquarters, what were, uh, like, what, what did that look like? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, so so the way the, the the way that this role really functions is my primary responsibility is North America was so U.S. and Canada, you know, with our Wesleyan churches, which uh, across U.S. and Canada right now is around 1,500. 
And so really just trying to serve and champion next gen kids ministry and youth ministry. So that's, I spend a lot of time on, on zoom and on phone calls and text messages, trying to encourage and love people resourcing. And then kind of a unique thing that's really kind of bubbled up the last few years is just, I've been doing a lot of preaching and teaching on revival and encountering the Holy spirit. And really what does it look like for us to live our lives? Um, in hunger and anticipation and reliance on the Holy spirit and not just the, the mechanisms of programming. Cause I mean, especially coming and this, especially coming through the season in the church of like all this church growth movement stuff, like we've the, the Western church has become so in love with leadership and education and strategy that I think we've just lost our way. And, and we lean too heavily in that. So we've said, we've said if we can strategize ourselves into a work of God and that's just not how, that's just, it's never worked that way. It's always been hungry people desperate to see the Lord work who begin to just pray and seek his face. And the strategy and those other things always have followed a deep desire, a deep desire for intimacy and love for the Lord. And so we just have to get that, that order right. So, yeah. So you've kind of been like a pastor to, to the youth pastors and also, uh, kind of pushing for pushing for revival uh, yeah. in that in that space I guess yeah and yeah. so uh so what uh kind of getting to that like what do you what do you see in uh you know because for like people my age there's there's a lot of uh there there's there's various opinions about uh about who Gen Z is and, yeah. and what what we're where we're uh we're kind of heading the current generation and stuff so um so what have you, uh, what are some, some truths about like Gen Z that maybe people, people don't hear in the media or that, yeah. you know, what are some things that you've noticed as you've, if you're kind of working with this generation? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I truly believe this, that I think Gen Z can be the, has, has the potential to be the greatest missions movement. The world has potentially seen, um, because for them following Jesus um, demands more than it has in past generations, um, uh, at, at, at least here in the West. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I was in high school or middle school, like I could have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and I could bounce back and forth and that was cool. And I could do both. And, and, you know, I could have my church friends and I could, I could, I could do all those things at the same time. This, for this generation to follow Jesus and really follow the God of the Bible, you know, not, not, not this Jesus that we create that kind of fits our belief system, but really as we hold the scriptures, the authority of the, you know, hold the authority of the word, this generation has to make different choices than past generations have. And so their zeal for the Lord is so much deeper uh, because it actually costs them something. So it costs them social status. It costs them friendships. It costs them those things to actually follow Jesus and what that demands is that that really activates a deeper faith in them that forces them to go out and really like not just like Jesus, but love him and embody him into their communities, which is why I think that Gen Z has the greatest potential to, to be one of the greatest missions movement that I've ever seen the earth, because the kids that are in, they're all in. They've had an experience with Jesus. They know that they're 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 all in. They're not um they're not waiting for someone else to convince them that Jesus is real. Like they're ready to go. And so it's pretty profound to see some of these, you know, uh, 20 year olds, 16 year olds, even 15 year olds who are literally going into their schools as missionaries, 
knowing that it's going to cost them socially, knowing that they may be ridiculed, knowing that they may experience, you know, uh, some level of, of, of persecution in their context. And um, that excites me for what following Jesus is going to look like for them in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s, because it demands so much of them now. Yeah, so definitely we're, you know, well, especially through COVID, and like everybody's seeing smaller numbers, but it, but it seems like, uh, like you say, the those who are in are really in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the uh, maybe just because of the uh, polariz- polarization of our culture in general, it, you know, there is a there's definitely like a social cost, yeah, for, for sure. Well, and we're seeing that with adults too, right? Like like everybody yeah. likes to you know point out that in a lot of youth groups numbers are down, but I think we're seeing that we've seen the same thing oh, in adults, right? Like the yeah. adults, the same thing. Like all the pastors I get to talk to, um, because I get to talk to a lot of senior pastors too, and I think. There's, I think COVID uh, just through, through it, it amplified and accelerated whatever was going on in people's lives. So if people were hungry for the Lord and were in a good place, it, it, it accelerated that hunger and desire because of the crisis. If they were questioning or unsure, it accelerated that. And so I think that's where I get excited about Gen Z is because the, the struggle is that they've seen a lot in their short lives. But the beauty of that is that God, they, they're, they're going to experience God's grace at such a deeper level at 16 than I did because of the crises that they've been in. Because for them to survive under those crises, they're going to have to demand of the Lord a greater grace to walk in that. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm really struck, uh, like kind of teaching here, teaching freshman college mm-hmm. students who, who, who are definitely here because they feel some kind of a call to ministry. But, uh, you know, if I... If I measure like how many come from broken homes, oh yeah, how many, uh, how many, uh, like the like this semester just, you know, we we were talking about uh, anxiety and depression, and I and I said to I said to a class like how many of you have experienced anxiety or depression, hundred percent, everybody raised mm-hmm. their hand. I followed it up with how many of you would say that it was serious enough that you've actually contemplated suicide at some time. And this is the first time I've ever had like a hundred percent, like every hand mm-hmm. in the room went up and I was like, wow, it just kind of blew me away. Cause I was like, you know, even at, at a young age, these, these guys and girls have already been through like some, some tough stuff, some deep yeah. stuff. And so when they're, uh, when they're looking for Jesus, they're really looking for Jesus. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. They really are. They, yeah. I mean, and they're they want their own experience with Jesus. And I think it's our responsibility as as those who are shepherding this generation to to throw gasoline on their fire and their zeal because the church needs their zeal more than you know. I, I mean, the church needs their zeal. I mean, definitely more than I've seen in my lifetime. The church needs zeal and passion and excitement. And I think if we can begin to, uh, uh, the illustration I use a lot is sometimes people can be hesitant to invite young people into the leadership table because, you know, sometimes it's insecurity. Sometimes they're, you know, like, oh, they're so young. They're immature. I was like, yeah, like what better place would you want them to be? So like, instead of, instead of keeping them away from your leadership tables, pull up more chairs for them at the leadership table. They don't want your seat of leadership. They just want to be at the table. And I think that's one of the great ways that we in the in the older generation can really love this generation well is to 
anytime we have those tables to pull up more seats so that Gen Z can um, just continue to feel valued and appreciated because we need the zeal that they carry. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I was out, uh, I was out this past weekend at a, you know, it's like a wonderful, it was a church I'd never been to before, uh, Baptist church here in Canada and uh, sitting on a really nice facility with, uh, and very, very generous, like all kinds of funds, uh, but like almost virtually like no young people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at least, at least in Canada, like we revival is not, it's not an option. Like it, it is absolutely, it is, it is something that is absolutely yeah. necessary for the church to continue yeah. on. Right. And, yep. uh, and, and so I think, I think one of the things that the acceleration of COVID has done is just, just to kind of clarify where we're at, like where the church is at for sure. and, uh, and what needs to happen. For sure. Well, and with the revival piece, I think the thing is too, is like that desperation is a prerequisite to revival. Like that right. level of the church finally realizing it's not our programs, it's not our strategies, it's not our online presence, it's not our social media engagement, it's not our, it's not our, you know, our quote unquote preaching, it's not our, like, it's not like church growth movement, which again, I don't, I don't want to keep harping on, like, I have such appreciation for the church growth movement because the church needed leadership. Like we needed to learn how to do accounting and we needed to have excellence and we needed to to have some of that, those structures and, and things. The problem was, is that we began to trust those things more than the presence of God. And we began to spend more time going to leadership conferences and reading leadership books and doing those things, as opposed to sitting in the presence of God and feasting on the Lord and seeking discernment uh, and seeking, you know, his wisdom and his, his strategies and all those things. And so the beauty of the of the place where the church is right now is that we're finally realizing that that the the uh, the runway for leadership and and uh, and education as the primary mechanisms for our growth. That's we're all kind of like the scales are kind of falling from everybody's eyes going like, well, it's not working anymore. It's like, yeah, no, it, it isn't working. And so what is going to work? A bunch of hungry people becoming so desperate for the Lord that nothing else matters to them. And it's not taking strategy and education, all those things and chucking them out the window. It's just getting them in the right priority where we're seeking the presence of God first, trusting that as we discern the voice of God, he'll, he'll, he'll call those other things into order. Yeah. So what do you see? Like what, what, what do you see for like the future of youth ministry? What's it, what's it going to look like as compared to, you know, times past when we've, yeah, where, it's we, gonna, where we've seen a lot of the, of the leadership management, uh, you know, big event kind of things. Yep. So I think, again, a, a couple of things I'd say, I think youth ministry and, and kids ministry is going to cost us more time, talent, and treasure than it ever has before. Um, it's going to take more time. So discipleship is a long game. Relationships is a long game. All those time, things. Uh, talent. Um, we've really handicapped youth ministry and kids ministry with the church growth movement and the church planting movement specifically, where we've... Uh, it was, it, I think it was an unintended consequence where we felt like we needed to plant more churches and do more campusing and those types of things, which were good things. But instead of developing pipelines, we just went to youth ministries and plucked out their, their, the people that should have been in there for 10 years. And again, I think it was an unintended consequence, but it's going to take some of our best people 
that stay in youth ministry for years, as opposed to going to every 22 year old or 25 year old and saying, Hey, you're really good at youth ministry. You should go play in a church or, Hey, you're really good at this. Like you're good at youth ministry. You should go campus for us. We've got to figure out that pipeline issue so that we, we quit sucking out all of the best talent out of youth ministry and kids ministry, because we're looking up now we're going, Oh my gosh, there's a, we're, we're understaffed in kids ministry and youth ministry. And if you talk to anybody who's been in youth ministry, kids ministry, and, and who will actually have an honest conversation, we'll go. Yeah. Because the church planning movement siphoned them all out. Um, and so, and that's not a very popular opinion, which I fully recognize, but it's, but it's truth. And, and so We've got to really go, okay, it's going to take our best time, our best talent, and our treasure. It's going to cost more money to do good youth ministry because, um, you know, and this goes all the way back. This is getting a little bit more into some data and all this stuff. But the but if you if you think about, and, and Mike, you, you've been around long enough. You, know, you remember the glory days of youth ministry in the early 2000s where youth ministry was the place to be. That's where the money was. That's where the budget was. That's where everybody's putting all the resources, youth ministry, kids, kids ministry. And then as youth ministry began to wane and church planning and multiplication, all those things became the rhetoric, we go find more funds. We reallocated our resources. So we went with this real scarcity mindset of like, we're just going to reallocate all this stuff, our talent, our time, and our treasures, and reallocate that to multiplication as opposed to going and finding more resource. And so um, I hope that's not too honest, but what, 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 where we're at is a critical state with youth and kids ministry, because it's going to take more time, talent, and treasure than it's ever demanded. And if organizations and churches don't realize that they're going to continue to look up and go, where are all the young people? Um, right. because we've got to re we've got to reorientate our, how we're, how we're actually, um, using our time, talent and treasure, because it's going to demand more than ever before. Yeah, that's that's really good. I I would agree with that for sure. And um, ob observing that on on you know local levels in a lot of places that that kind of well, and nobody dynamic. And I mean, I've been saying this stuff yeah. for years. Um, and but but what has to happen to Mike? I think is leaders at the highest levels um, actually need to start uh, um, listening to youth ministry and kids ministry folks in a different way. Because most of the decisions with time, talent, and treasure, youth ministry and kids ministry people aren't in those rooms because those right. are higher level leadership decisions. And so if organizations and churches are actually going to reach the next generation, it's not going to be because the highest level of leadership um, makes the decisions to make that happen. It's actually going to be because they pull up more chairs for kids ministry and youth ministry folks to actually be in the room and advocate and champion and actually listen to what next gen leaders are saying, because I'm having more conversations with than ever than next gen leaders who are discouraged and frustrated simply because they're not getting support what they need and they're not being listened to. And so until organizations and churches actually pull up more chairs for next gen people to be in the rooms, we're going to continue to put just punt the ball down the field on other objectives when kids ministry and youth ministry is at the center of God's heart. Church planning, multiplication, campusing are all strategies for growth, but the next generation has always been at the middle of what God is wanting to do in the earth. And if you look at any great revival, it primarily starts not with a group of executives saying we're going to prioritize revival. It's actually a group of young people who begin to push into the presence of God, and then the adults follow. And I think we've just got to rekindle that, that understanding within our Western church of going like, man, we really need to start spending more time and more money and resources with young people 
because they they understand the kingdom of God and the alphas coming up behind Gen Z, I think are going to be an even more impactful generation than 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 we've seen in a really really long time. I think it will actually be the alphas who usher in uh, an insane season of of, of uh, kingdom kingdom effectiveness and and the kingdom of God. All right. What's uh, so what's what's next for you? I know you're you're finishing up. Uh, you're finishing up in in Indiana, and yeah. uh, so just describe a little bit, kind of where you're at and uh, what you see what you see happening. Yeah, I mean for the for the Coffin family and for for any anybody who's listening that knows us knows that you know our our family's desire is just to be right in the middle of what God's doing and um, really wanting to to see the bride of Christ become so hungry. Uh, to know the heart of God. And so for us as a family, um, we're, we're in a season of seeking. Like, I don't have a great answer. Like, I wish I could say, Hey Mike, here's what we're doing. Here's the plan. But like, I mean, I literally, as, as Becca and I were praying and discerning that it was, my season was done. Um, we just really clearly felt the Lord say like, your season is done and you're going to have to seek my face to find out what we're doing next. So like, I'm not interviewing with anybody right now. I don't have any jobs lined up. Um, we're literally taking a time as a family just to seek the Lord and pray. And God's been gracious and kind that, you know, we got food on food on the table and a roof over our head and we're going to head South for the winter and get out of, get out of winter and, um, just take some time to seek the Lord and see, but I don't know what, um, I don't know what role is next, but I can describe the culture that, um, I know, I know what it will look and feel like. Um, and it'll look and feel like a, uh, being a part of something where their deepest heart's desire is to see and host the presence of God um, and and trust that all those other things will follow. Um, it really is like, I mean, if you even look at, if you even look at the book of Revelations and Christ returning for the bridegroom, I think, here's, a, here's an easy example. I think one of the biggest shifts we're going to see, a couple of things I'd say, w- one of them is uh, we're going to, we're going to see begin to see even more churches that on Sunday mornings are moving from this model of come and see to really come and worship. And what I mean by that is the old model is come receive, you know, we've got something for you. You need to be in the room so that you can have this where really what we see all of eternity is going to be is much more of like us just being in God's presence, worshiping and giving back to him. So I think we're going to see this shift in Sunday mornings where Sunday mornings become much more about giving King Jesus his worship versus us just coming to receive us coming and receiving will be a byproduct of our worship of him versus the primary motive of our hearts. I think that'll be one thing that will change. Then the other thing that I think is, is just kind of a foot right now in the church is there's going to, there's, there's this weight right now of people are, people are going to try to separate the living word from the written word. Um, and what I mean by that is there's this movement that's happening where people are trying to separate Jesus's work and activity from the whole of scripture. And um, I think just us as in our relationships, being aware that you can't separate Jesus's life from the whole of scripture. Like you can't separate who Jesus is from the whole narrative of narrative of scripture. And, you know, I think for us as a family, man, we're just, we're really looking forward to that community that's just ready to get after seeking God's face and pushing in and hosting his presence and really um, just seeing what he has. And so I don't, I don't have a, 
and 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 that can look like a lot of different quote jobs but right my journey's never been about a job my I, I've, I've just been called to the church and so you know we're we're open to what the lord has man but yeah man, that I'm, sounds I'm, uh i'm thankful that for sounds season. incredibly it, it sounds exciting and scary at the same time which is usually right with, with uh, when we find ourselves in the center of god's will it has a little bit of both of those for going sure on. man absolutely <laughs> absolutely well i mean and i think uh Comfort is all, I think, I, I don't think we always have to pick hard things, but I, I think um, the thing that we always say as a family is that Jesus, you have our yes. And then you just need to tell us how to use, tell us how to use that. Yes. And I think lots of times we can, we can ask God to bless what we're doing versus saying, Jesus, you have our yes. Like whatever you're wanting to do with the coffins, like you have our yes. And so he's got our yes. And so now we're just going on this season to kind of discern what he wants to do with that. Yes. And we don't know. So we'll go, we're going to go seek and find man. Well, that sounds like a good place to end. Maybe we'll have to, uh, you know, I have to have a, like a part two in about <laughs> a go, year man. or so to see what that's uh, right. Dude, that'd be wild to, to, yeah. see, to see where that ends up. But fun, uh, man. thanks for great. taking the time to do this today. Oh man. Thanks for, thanks for letting me be on here, man. And just so appreciate you and, Man, you just poured into so many young young people, and you carry such a heart for the next generation. And I know, uh, I know everything I've said today. I don't have to convince you of a lick of it. And so I'm I'm just grateful for you, man, and just all the all the people for generations that you poured into. So you're one of the great ones, Mike. So I'm. Oh, hey, for you, thanks. I, I I appreciate. I I don't know if it's accurate, but I'll take it because. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I please, take, it's like, very the, accurate. I'll take all the. Uh, it's very. Accurate, I just take man. encouragement wherever I get it these days, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, man, it's you know, God bless you on your on thanks, your journey, man. and uh, sure. in a in a in a way, I'm and you know, jumping in uh, jumping in an RV and heading south sounds pretty good to me right now. I live in. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys have got some winter going on so yeah it uh it snowed this week here in indiana and my wife made it about four hours and she's like i'm over it let's it's time it's it's you know so well that's yeah, crazy this is uh, the world we live in right now because because we've had unusually warm weather and we you know, <laughs> we haven't had any snow and it's it's snowing in india so like who knows who knows what uh, what's going Dude, on seriously it's wild but, man so yeah but, we're, but one we're, thing's one thing's for sure is is we we all need we all need the Lord and we all need revival for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah we do, man. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit pause on this thing here. Do it, man. Oh, okay.